0: SECTION 70 OF CURIOSITIES OF LITERATURE, VOLUME 2, THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING, ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN, FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. CURIOSITIES OF LITERATURE, VOLUME 2, BY ISAAC Disraeli, OF FALSE POLITICAL REPORTS a false report if believed during three days may be of great service to a government this political maxim has been ascribed to catherine de medici an adept in coup d'etat the arcana imperii between solid lying and disguised truth there is a difference known to writers skilled in the art of governing mankind by deceiving them as politics ill understood have been defined and as indeed all party politics are these forgers prefer to use the truth disguised to the gross fiction when the real truth can no longer be concealed then they can confidently refer to it for they can still explain and obscure while they secure on their side the party whose cause they have advocated a curious reader of history may discover the temporary and sometimes the lasting advantages of spreading rumours designed to disguise or to counteract the real state of things such reports set a-going served to break down the sharp and fatal point of a panic which might instantly occur in this way the public is saved from the horrors of consternation and the stupefaction of despair these rumours give a breathing time to prepare for the disaster which is doled out cautiously and as might be shown in some cases these first reports have left an event in so ambiguous a state that a doubt may still arise whether these reports were really destitute of truth such reports once printed enter into history and sadly perplex the honest historian of a battle fought in a remote situation both parties for a long time at home may dispute the victory after the event and the pen may prolong what the sword had long decided this has been no unusual circumstance of several of the most important battles on which the fate of europe has hung were we to rely on some reports of the time we might still doubt of the manner of the transaction a skirmish has been often raised into an arranged battle and a defeat concealed in an account of the killed and wounded while victory has been claimed by both parties villeroy in all his encounters with marlborough always sent home dispatches by which no one could suspect that he was discomfited Pompey, after his fatal battle with Caesar, sent letters to all the provinces and cities of the Romans describing with greater courage than he had fought, so that a report generally prevailed that Caesar had lost the battle. Plutarch informs us that three hundred writers had described the battle of Marathon. Many doubtless had copied their predecessors, but it would perhaps have surprised us to have observed how materially some differed in their narratives in looking over a collection of manuscript letters of the times of james i i was struck by the contradictory reports of the result of the famous battle of Lutzen, so glorious and so fatal to gustavus adolphus the victory was sometimes reported to have been obtained by the swedes but a general uncertainty a sort of mystery agitated the majority of the nation who were staunch to the protestant cause this state of anxious suspense lasted a considerable time. The fatal truth gradually came out in reports changing in their progress. If the victory was allowed, the death of the Protestant hero closed all hope. The historian of Gustavus Adolphus observes on this occasion that few couriers were better received than those who conveyed the accounts of the king's death to declared enemies or concealed ill-wishers nor did the report greatly displease the court of whitehall where the ministry as it usually happens in cases of timidity had its degree of apprehensions for fear the event should not be true and as i have learnt from good authority imposed silence on the newswriters and intimated the same to the pulpit in case any funeral encomium might proceed from that quarter although the motive assigned by the writer that of the secret indisposition of the cabinet of james I towards the fortunes of gustavus is to me by no means certain unquestionably the knowledge of this disastrous event was long kept back by a timid ministry and the fluctuating reports probably regulated by their designs the same circumstance occurred on another important event in modern history where we may observe the artifice of party writers in disguising or suppressing the real fact this was the famous battle of the boyne the french catholic party long reported that count lausanne had won the battle and that william the third was killed Bussy Rabutin, in some memoirs in which he appears to have registered public events without scrutinizing their truth, says, I chronicled this account according as the first reports gave out. When at length the real fact reached them, the party did not like to lose their pretended victory. Père Landel, who published a register of the times, which is favourably noticed in the Nouvelle de la Republique des Lettres for 1699 has recorded the event in this deceptive manner the battle of the boyne in ireland schomberg is killed there at the head of the english this is an equivocator the writer resolved to conceal the defeat of james's party and cautiously suppresses any mention of a victory but very carefully gives a real fact by which his readers would hardly doubt of the defeat of the english we are so accustomed to this traffic of false reports that we are scarcely aware that many important events recorded in history were in their day strangely disguised by such mystifying accounts this we can only discover by reading private letters written at the moment Bale has collected several remarkable absurdities of this kind which were spread abroad to answer a temporary purpose but which had never been known to us had these contemporary letters not been published a report was prevalent in holland in fifteen eighty that the kings of france and spain and the duke of alva were dead a felicity which for a time sustained the exhausted spirits of the revolutionists at the invasion of the spanish armada burleigh spread reports of the thumb-screws and other instruments of torture which the spaniards had brought with them and thus inflamed the hatred of the nation the horrid story of the bloody colonel kirk is considered as one of those political forgeries to serve the purpose of blackening a zealous partisan false reports are sometimes stratagems of war when the chiefs of the league had lost the battle at ivry with an army broken and discomfited they still kept possession of paris merely by imposing on the inhabitants all sorts of false reports such as the death of the king of navarre at the fortunate moment when victory undetermined on which side to incline turned for the leaguers and they gave out false reports of a number of victories they had elsewhere obtained such tales distributed in pamphlets and ballads among a people agitated by doubts and fears are gladly believed flattering their wishes or soothing their alarms they contribute to their ease and are too agreeable to allow time for reflection the history of a report creating a panic may be traced in the irish insurrection in the curious memoirs of james the second a forged proclamation of the prince of orange was set forth by one speak and a rumour spread that the irish troops were killing and burning in all parts of the kingdom a magic-like panic instantly ran through the people so that in one quarter of the town of drogheda they imagined that the other was filled with blood and ruin during this panic pregnant women miscarried aged persons died with terror while the truth was that the irish themselves were disarmed and dispersed in utter want of a meal or a lodging in the unhappy times of our civil wars under Charles I, the newspapers and the private letters afford specimens of this political contrivance of false reports of every species. No extravagance of invention to spread a terror against a party was too gross, and the city of London was one day alarmed that the royalists were occupied by a plan of blowing up the River Thames by an immense quantity of powder, warehoused at the riverside and that there existed an organized, though invisible, brotherhood of many thousands with consecrated knives. And those who hesitated to give credit to such rumors were branded as malignants, who took not the danger of the Parliament to heart. Forged conspiracies and reports of great but distant victories were inventions to keep up the spirit of a party, but oftener prognosticated some intended change in the government when they were desirous of augmenting the army or introducing new garrisons or using an extreme measure with the city or the royalists there was always a new conspiracy set afloat or when any great affair was to be carried in parliament letters of great victories were published to dishearten the opposition and infuse additional boldness in their own party if the report lasted only a few days it obtained its purpose and verified the observation of catherine de medici those politicians who raise such false reports obtain their end like the architect who in building an arch supports it with circular props and pieces of timber or any temporary rubbish till he closes the arch and when it can support itself he throws away the props there is no class of political lying which can want for illustration if we consult the records of our civil wars there we may trace the whole art in all the nice management of its shades its qualities and its more complicated parts from invected to puff and from innuendo to prevarication we may admire the scrupulous correction of a lie which they had told by another which they are telling and triple lying to overreach their opponents royalists and parliamentarians were alike for to tell one great truth the father of lies is of no party Footnote one of the most absurd reports that ever frightened private society was that which prevailed in paris at the end of the seventeenth century it was that the jesuits used a poisoned snuff which they gave to their opponents with the fashionable politeness of the day in offering a pinch and which for a time deterred the custom end of footnote as nothing is new under the sun so this art of deceiving the public was unquestionably practised among the ancients syphax sent scipio word that he could not unite with the romans but on the contrary had declared for the carthaginians the roman army were then anxiously waiting for his expected succors scipio was careful to show the utmost civility to these ambassadors and ostentatiously treated them with presents that his soldiers might believe they were only returning to hasten the army of syphax to join the romans livy censures the roman consul who after the defeat at cannae told the deputies of the allies the whole loss they had sustained this consul says livy by giving too faithful and open an account of his defeat made both himself and his army appear still more contemptible the result of the simplicity of the consul was that the allies despairing that the romans would ever recover their losses deemed it prudent to make terms with hannibal plutarch tells an amusing story in his way of the natural progress of a report which was contrary to the wishes of the government the unhappy reporter suffered punishment as long as the rumor prevailed, though at last it proved true. A stranger landing from Sicily at a barber's shop delivered all the particulars of the defeat of the Athenians, of which, however, the people were yet uninformed. The barber leaves untrimmed the reporter's beard, and flies away to vent the news in the city, where he told the archons what he had heard the whole city was thrown into a ferment the archons called an assembly of the people and produced the luckless barber who in confusion could not give any satisfactory account of the first reporter he was condemned as a spreader of false news and a disturber of the public quiet for the athenians could not imagine but that they were invincible the barber was dragged to the wheel and tortured till the disaster was more than confirmed bale referring to this story observes that had the barber reported a victory though it had proved to be false he would not have been punished a shrewd observation which occurred to him from his recollection of the fate of stratocles this person persuaded the athenians to perform a public sacrifice and thanksgiving for a victory obtained at sea though he well knew at the time that the athenian fleet had been totally defeated when the calamity could no longer be concealed the people charged him with being an impostor but stratocles saved his life and mollified their anger by the pleasant turn he gave the whole affair have i done you any injury said he is it not owing to me that you have spent three days in the pleasures of victory i think that this spreader of good but fictitious news should have occupied the wheel of the luckless barber who had spread bad but true news for the barber had no intention of deception but stratocles had and the question here to be tried was not the truth or the falsity of the reports but whether the reporters intended to deceive their fellow-citizens the chronicle and the post must be challenged on such a jury and all the race of news scribes whom patin characterizes as hominum genus audacissimum mendacimum a widdicimum latin superlatives are too rich to suffer a translation but what patin says in his letter three hundred fifty six may be applied these writers insert in their papers things they do not know and ought not to write it is the same trick that is playing which was formerly played it is the very same farce only it is exhibited by new actors the worst circumstance i think in this is that this trick will continue playing a long course of years and that the public suffer a great deal too much by it end of section seventy